This week's episode of the Top 5 Report, the podcast that believes you shouldn't necessarily call yourself a fan if you only like the hits. you got to take those deep cuts, too. My name is Drew. I'll be your host for the evening. Along with me, as always, is my brother, Peter. I am here, and uh, so is Snowmageddon right now. <laughs> yeah, I know. So if you are living in the Chicagoland area like Peter and I are, we are being dumped on. Um, what a way to end 2020 is give us a horrible, horrible snowstorm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, it was. It's it's crazy. Um, no, keep going. Sorry, I feel like I, I, I know that there. I know that there's there's other parts of the country that are getting uh, hit um, mm-hmm. worse than us, but um, it is absolutely crazy out there. So hey, 2020 has basically just been a prerequisite <laughs> to prepare us for 2021. So <laughs> let's just say goodbye to that right now. Um, <laughs> so uh yeah. so optimistic <laughs> i know i know it's it's starting to it's starting to really get to me um and then you know i work being working in law enforcement is rough because i've been out helping uh disabled drivers and people stuck in the snow for the past probably four or five hours <laughs> so um i am home now and let's do a show man yeah uh, let's, let's go for it <laughs> so real quick uh Let's talk about what we're watching and reading and stuff. Before you tell me you saw Wonder Woman, did you see Wonder Woman? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I did see Wonder <laughs> All right. Woman. All right, then let's then let's make the audience wait for that review. We'll save that for the end because we both watched it. What else did you watch? Oh, uh, yeah. So the only other thing I wanted to mention is actually last night I started watching uh, The Stand, the new. I don't know if it's a TV oh. show or mini, mini series on CBS, but uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so you, you haven't watched this yet, I take it? No, I do not have CBS access. Um, I didn't want to get CBS access because the only thing I was getting it for at the time was just Star Trek. And that wasn't enough for me to do it um, because it was only the one show. <laughs> um, yeah. And then now they have the stand and it's making me go, hmm, maybe. So go ahead. Yeah. I, well, I think uh, my wife likes uh, Stephen King. A decent amount so she was kind of like let's sign up for it to watch this and then <laughs> we can you know cancel it or whatever but there actually it actually seems like there's some cool stuff on the uh, cbs all access app like they have a lot of the old uh nickelodeon cartoons and stuff from the 90s um i don't know yeah. if i'll have a chance to actually dig into those but that looks pretty fun um but otherwise the stand i haven't read the book so i didn't really know a lot about the story um and what I can say about it, and you might have a completely different perspective on this since you have read the book, um, I believe. Uh, yes, but I um, watching the first episode, I felt like it was all over the place. Um, it seems like each episode is showing uh, 
one character's backstory while they deal with the uh, present day stuff that's going on. Uh, spoiler alert, the uh, story is about a pandemic, which is very weird and creepy to watch <laughs> at this in this day and age with everything that's going on in the world. But uh, the first episode kind of told two characters backstories simultaneously while trying to catch you up on all this present day pandemic stuff. And I just felt like it was kind of really jumbled. I kind of coming in as a newcomer, I, it was kind of hard to catch up to everything going on. And I was a little bit like, if I was to judge the series on the first episode, I don't know if I, if I would have stuck with it. Uh, that being said, I went on to watch the second episode and it was one of those things where watching the second episode, I am totally sold on this show because for one, it's kind of uh, the second episode's a lot more streamlined. They only focus on one of the characters and uh, it just has a lot more of that sort of uh, really good, like post-apocalyptic survival stuff that I personally get really into. Like the show kind of right now reminds me of, uh, I want to say the best parts of the walking dead, like at the beginning when it was just sure, kind of sure. a really cool you know, apocalyptic survival story. So definitely check it out when you got the chance. Uh, there's only two episodes out right now, so I can't really say much more. I'm just enjoying it. Um, since you've read the book, uh, you know, there's also like kind of a weird and I don't know if it's a supernatural thing going on at the same time or what all is going on. But uh, there's like this whole other part of the story that they've kind of only touched on at this point. So I'll probably be able to comment on that stuff further as time goes on. But, uh, yeah, that's honestly the only thing I've watched this week. I don't know if you have any questions or any comments on the stand this at this point, or if you want to move into your watching, um, a real quick uh, stand. I did read the book. The book is a, it's massive. It's like larger than any of the game of Thrones novels. Um, mm -hmm. it's, um, being about a pandemic. Yes. Um, because you said that, I don't want to say too much and ruin it. If you've read the book, you know what I'm talking about. If you have not read the book, I really don't want to spoil. Um, there, uh, the supernatural side of things is really going to mess you up when you actually get to see what that's all about. Um, so yeah, that's basically all I want to say to that. It sounds, what you're telling me sounds great. My only quibble with the book was that there were certain sections of the book that I felt that were way too drawn out. Um, like for example, like one of the characters is an alcoholic. Well, you spent like 140 pages reading about his life as an alcoholic. So, so is the alcoholic uh, character, is he a musician, like a blues mu musician or something? If I remember correctly, I think so. Uh, okay. But well, you, spent I was like gonna... you spent like 140 pages with that backstory. <laughs> and I was like, uh, and when I got to the end of the 140 pages and I'm like, that really could be trimmed down. <laughs> <laughs> well, so I was going to um, say, because the second episode focuses on a character who is an alcoholic or a drug addict or something, but it's not really like it doesn't seem that slow. So I don't know if the show just trimmed a lot of that stuff down because it honestly kind of gets into the action right away. And I think maybe that's what I'm enjoying about the series where I'm sure the book's great, but I can see how stuff like that could be daunting and tedious if it just gets like it spends too much time on the descriptions, if you will. So, uh, yeah, I, I definitely felt, hear what you're, where you're coming from. I just from. felt that the book spent a little too much time on exposition getting you to where you go. Because once the action starts, the book flows pretty fast. But there was so much setup that I was like, it, it just 
for me, it just felt like it took a while. <laughs> the book's great. I really liked it a lot in the end. So, yeah, and and I think based on those comments, from what I've seen so far, I don't think the uh, show is spending that much time on the exposition and like getting everything set up. It seemed to jump really into the action right away. So you might like the show a lot once you get sure. a chance. <clears throat> sure. All right. Well, um, so my watching and reading. All right. So I started Ready Player Two by Ernest Klein. Yeah. Um, so far, I like it. Um, I know there was some mixed reviews <laughs> with everybody, um, but so far, it's what I've ex- what I expected is what I'm getting. I'm not as like our friend Adam said he read it in three days. I have not had the time to read that fast. Uh, normally, <laughs> I would, normally the book would be done in three days. I just haven't had the time, so I'm only a little ways in. But it's so far what I'm ex- what I was expecting. I'm getting, so I'm yeah, happy right yeah. now. Um, I finished uh, the flight attendant. Um, oh, how was that? First, well, first off, the show did get greenlit for a second season, so awesome, good for them. But secondly, the show is actually really cool. I loved how it like. I, I really liked how it wrapped itself up because I didn't read the novel that it's based off of. Um, I just went into the show going, oh, it's Kaylee Cuoco's new show. Let's check it out. Um, the show is actually really cool. There was one story arc in the show that I thought was really it's probably in the novel, but it was like shoehorn. It felt like it was shoehorned in to explain this one thing. So the ending made sense. Um, other than that. The show was I, I really had no problems with the show. I really liked the story, but they're getting a second season. And you think to yourself, it's a murder mystery with a girl who's a flight attendant. How could they do a second season? <laughs> when you see how it ends, you're going to go, oh, that's how they get a second season out of it. So whether there's another book or they're just going, that's how, or if it's just the one book, you can see how they're going off of it from there. Yeah, I, um, I do love uh, when shows do that, when it seems like a really <laughs> singular solitary story and then somehow they find a way to squeeze a second season out of it and i'm not saying they do that they're doing that with this but uh i've 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 definitely seen a lot of like netflix shows for example where they do that sort of thing where it's like how the heck would you do two seasons and then you know they'll figure out a way (laughs) if the money and the viewers are there (laughs) right um and then i watched soul the new pixar movie how was that um okay the movie is really <laughs> all right. So before you think I'm giving this a negative review, there's I, I do have a quibble with the movie. Um, one, the movie is fantastic. It's really, really good um, in your classic Pixar fashion. Mm-hmm. The negative is that it's classic Pixar fashion. Um, it's kind of like at one point Pixar made us cry. And it's like, how are they going to make me cry this time? Do you know what I mean? <laughs> OK, yeah, <laughs> like the movie, the movie's really cool. And being about music and telling the story the way they did and all that stuff. I was really like, how are they going to make me cry this time? What's the hook to like it's it's kind of like that's their thing is making people cry. So how are they going to do it? <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> so I wasn't I didn't go in with that expectations, but I did start thinking it part way into the movie. And then you start seeing how the pieces are falling together. And then you're just kind of along for the ride, I guess. Um, they do, I do feel that they took the idea of inside out. Now it is from the producers of inside out and I love, love inside out, but I feel like it's, uh, so inside out was about life and memory. This seemed to be about death and 
where your soul comes from. And it's very heavy. Um, so when they do the when they do the out of body soul stuff, the art style is absolutely amazing. And not necessarily with the little like souls running around, but the beings that are in charge of the souls and kind of push them in the way, whether they're going off into the great white beyond or if they're going, you know, or they're heading down to earth because it's a new life or something like that. The beings that uh, though the art style, like the way they moved and all that stuff, it was awesome. I was really impressed with that. But then when you go to the visuals down on earth, holy crap, like there's there's shots that you know you're watching a cartoon, but you question whether you're watching a cartoon. It's nice. It's really like the movie is really well done. It's probably going to win the Oscar for best animated film. But in the classic Pixar fashion, I was kind of left with a. Well, it's not the best Pixar movie, <laughs> but it was it's definitely worth watching. It's definitely a good time to watch it, make your formulate your own opinion. But I was kind of like left with a eh, it's Pixar doing Pixar stuff again. So <laughs> fair um, enough. I do think um, I am interested in this one just from the sort of musician angle. I think uh, that might be really cool. Um, it's on Disney Plus, right? Yes, it is. Yeah, so so I'm sure I'll be watching it sooner or later. I do think um, the subject matter does seem to be pretty interesting that it focuses on, uh, like you said, focuses on death. And I'm sure it's not as morbid as it sounds, but it does sound like an interesting movie at its core. So I do look forward to checking this one out. I might have a review on it in the next couple of weeks, I guess. Um, but yeah, <laughs> what else? Yeah. Did you watch anything else? No. So that leaves us with Wonder Woman. Yeah. It does. Okay. <laughs> so what do you think of Wonder Woman? Just off the top of your head, first response. My response to this movie has been the same since I've seen it. And that is <laughs> that I don't know how to feel about this movie. Um, and I don't I like the thing is, I love the DCEU and I love one. I, I, do, I love uh, Gal Gadot's, Gadot's portrayal of Wonder Woman and stuff. And I'm kind of a little bit it's not that I don't like the movie. I think there's aspects of the movie that I didn't like. Um, and I think a big chunk of that has to do with uh, Pedro Pascal and not that he was a bad actor. And I I thought his portrayal of uh, Max Lord was really fun. But I do think that. I kind of wish his whole story wasn't part of this movie. Like, I think uh, we have Wonder Woman, who we know and love. We've seen her in a few movies already, and uh, we we know and love that character. And I think that Kristen Wiig's uh, portrayal of uh, Cheetah, I think she just kind of stole the show. Like, I think Kristen Wiig was so good in this movie. And like I said, it's not that I think Pedro Pascal did a bad job. It's just kind of... His story, I don't know if I cared enough about for the amount of time they spent on his story on screen. Um, so I kind of was just like left dumb, dumbfounded because there was moments of the movie where I kind of felt like he was more of the focus than Wonder Woman was <laughs> as weird as that sounds. And I don't I, I, again, I'm like, I don't want to be negative about it, but I'm kind of left with this. I don't know how to how I feel. I liked it overall, but I, th I at the same time, I feel like it could be better. Um, but you can comment on this. You can tell me if you think I'm totally missing the mark here. I don't know what your thoughts are uh, personally, but yeah, I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm kind of having like a weird fickle relationship with this movie right now. Uh, I am, too. I overall, I liked the movie. Overall, I liked the movie. 
My yeah. big, the, the thing that sits really weird with me about the movie is that it felt incredibly isolated from the big picture of the DCE. Yeah. And it did not feel connected at all in any way. It just felt extremely isolated. Um, the opening was great. Um, the scene in the mall was oh, really I, great. I love that opening, yeah. The opening was wonderful. The scene in the mall, when you get to see her for the first time, uh, was very Dick Donner, uh, Christopher Reeve, Superman. Uh, Absolutely. Which I thought was kind of an interesting way to like jump on that. They were in the 80s. They focused on the fact that they were in the 80s long enough for you to understand where they were and what period they were in. And then they kind of got away from it and decided to go do their own thing, which is probably smart because the 80s probably could have just taken over the movie. Yeah, uh, absolutely. Uh, Pedro Pascal was fantastic, um, but I felt that his involvement in the story was so heavy in the way that yeah. the villains were heavy in Batman Returns. Um, and, yeah, absolutely. Um, Kristen Wiig was fantastic. You cannot, and I'm going to say this, you could not have casted Wonder Woman better. And, you know, kudos to Zack Snyder for making that decision. She is Wonder Woman. She's probably the greatest comic book casting, period. I don't care. You can throw Robert Downey Jr. down my throat all you want. Wonder Woman, that casting with her is perfect. Um, you I, you literally could not have casted Wonder Woman any better. Um, the... The action sequences were great. Yes, the movie felt a little bit too lengthy. Um, I mean, overall, I give it like a seven out of ten. And I and I've been told by some people that I've talked to that that's kind of generous. Well, you know, either way, I you know, seven out of ten. It's not perfect, but you know. Yeah. Well, can I tell you what? Because you actually started hitting on something that's another part that I don't know if I love or hate about this movie is. It was set in the 80s, and I think a lot of us were going into this movie, especially seeing the posters for this movie and how how the, the posters just looked so 80s inspired and stuff. And I think a lot of, of us were maybe assuming it was going to be something kind of more along the lines of Stranger Things, where there was going to be 80s references all over the place and 80s music and stuff. And like you said, the movie kind of establishes that it's in the 80s, but it doesn't focus on that and it's kind of in a weird way where uh that first uh scene with wonder woman in the mall like you said it it gave me such a christopher reeves superman vibe like it just felt straight out of those old uh christopher reeves movies and i was just at that point i was like i'm loving this like this is awesome and the weird the weirdest part of this movie is i feel like structurally cinematography story-wise like i feel like it mimics like a movie plot like everything more is more akin to 80s movies than movies <laughs> that, come, that like modern movies and it's it's a really weird thing but even the sort of uh maxwell lord becoming obviously this is a very spoilerific review but maxwell lord becoming the wishing stone and having like this weird oil empire that he's like building for himself and stuff that's like a weird that's like so akin to like the first superman movie with uh lex luther's crazy real estate scam that he's doing and it's one of those weird like sort of white collar business uh you know villain plots that you know a lot of kids watching these movies can't relate to but it just that whole aspect of the movie felt so 80s to me and it's just kind of 
that's where I don't know if I love it or if I hate it because I do kind of appreciate that it feels like an 80 movie, 80s movie for like and and both in its like virtues and its vices it has this very 80s feel and I don't really know how this sits with me yet and I think it's one of those things I'm going to watch this movie a few more times I'm going to let it sit with me longer and at a certain point I'll know like for sure do I like this movie do I really like it do I not care for it so much but at this point I'm not really sure so um absolutely <laughs> I agree with everything you just said we have a month to watch it before it gets pulled from HBO Max yeah so um, and if you guys didn't know that, um, the best way to word this is anything that drops HBO Max same day as theaters and this Warner Brothers slate of films that's coming. Um, it'll be on HBO Max for a month and then it gets pulled so they can do video on demand stuff with Comcast or Blu-ray releases or whatever. And then eventually it'll probably be back on HBO Max. But you got to treat it like a, a theatrical release. Um, where it's there for a little bit and then it's gone. So um, those of us who have HBO Max, uh, you get to watch it for a month. Um, the, however, go ahead. Oh, no, I just wanted because I feel like you're probably going to move on. And I did want to leave one final thought um, was just that I really hope that the my my other issue with the movie. And this is kind of a small thing, but I feel like they turned Cheetah a little bit into a throwaway villain in this movie. And. I loved Kristen Wiig in this movie and everybody I've talked to about this movie. She was their favorite part. And so I want her to come back or still be in the DCEU. However, that's going to happen, you know, but yeah, I would I love her to be in future films. I, I totally agree with you on the Wonder Woman. I'm sorry, on the Cheetah thing. She was uh, not only was she fantastic, but she was like, I wanted more of her as opposed to Maxwell Lord. Um, yes. Maxwell Lord, if you don't know in the comic books, um, he so in this it was that it's a weird if you're if you haven't watched Wonder Woman, I'm sorry, it's literally at your fingertips. It's not like you have to go to the theater. Um, so we're kind of spoiling it. Um, but the, <laughs> did if, you even and, attend the Christmas 2020 if you didn't watch Wonder Woman 84? <laughs> that's a really good point. Um, <laughs> what's interesting about um, the Maxwell Lord thing is in the comic books, he had a mind control ability. And so in this, it was sort of sort of like a mind control kind of a thing. Um, but because of Wonder Woman actually in the comic books kills Maxwell Lord, um, leading up to in the infinite crisis crossover, um, that happened in the uh, early two thousands, like around 2005, 2006, whatever, uh, Wonder Woman actually kills Maxwell Lord. And then she's chastised by the other DC, uh, heroes because we don't kill kind of a thing. Like heroes don't do that. Um, but if you read through it, if she didn't, Maxwell Lord had, mind controlled Superman and was basically, you know, turned him against everyone. And she was like, well, the only thing, and he basically told her the only way I'm going to make him stop is if you take my life Th and thinking that she wouldn't do it. Yeah. So, um, you know, they, he that's, kinda, that's very, uh, man of steel generals odd sort of vibes too. Uh, I love right. the sort of, uh, that ever eternal conundrum of should superheroes kill, and what if they have to and sort of the flack they get for the rest of their lives if they do kill. It's a really interesting subject matter to talk about as well as in stories. So uh, keep yeah. going, though. <laughs> um, well, that actually segues us real nicely into news. OK, uh, nice. So uh, that being said, Wonder Woman 3 has been fast tracked and greenlit at Warner Brothers. <laughs> um, That's what I heard, which is exciting. 
Yeah, so everyone's returning. Uh, I don't know about Kristen Wiig, but Gal Gadot and Patty Jenkins will be back. Um, the only thing I have a problem with this is Wonder Woman 3 is getting fast-tracked, but we still don't have Man of Steel 2. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> so I think it's a uh, it's a, you know, a rising tide raises all ships or whatever the phrase is like the more DC superhero movies they make and the better that they do box office wise, we're going to keep getting more of them. So yeah. I'm OK with them making more Wonder Woman. I think it means we're that much closer to more Superman as well. So, right. Um, I, I agree with that. So that being said. Let's talk about some DC news because they basically are the only ones who have news. Um, oh, cool. So first off, uh, the official release date of the Zack Snyder Justice League cut, which if you've been watching your HBO Max commercials um, on regular <laughs> on regular television, it looks like it's just titled the Justice League director cut. Um, because That's in cool. The, in the HBO Max commercials that are running on regular TV, they're showing clips of like all the stuff HBO Max has, and then it actually shows – uh, Justice League director cut and show some footage from the trailers that we got to see. Um, so, but the release date will be March 25th, 2021. Um, so that's nice. part one, that's part one, I guess. And they didn't, there, there's nothing more on the rollout if it's going to be one a week or like four days in a row or however they're doing it. So, um, hopefully it's four days in a row. That'd be awesome. Um, so there's that. And then, um, Here's the big news. Uh, DC plans. This is interesting. DC plans to release four films theatrically and two films on HBO Max exclusive every year starting <laughs> in 2022. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> Which means there's stuff that we don't know about yet. Or we got to go all the way back to the DC fandom news and start counting and figuring out what's what. Um, cause that's a very first, good point. That's awesome. <laughs> the, first, the first four films out the gate in 2022 are the Batman, Black Adam, the Flash, Aquaman 2. And then um, that makes me wonder if that. So where does Static Shock fall? Where does um, is the Ben Affleck Batman film in there? Are we getting a sequel to the Snyder Cut? I assume Wonder Woman 3 is going to be part of the slate. Like there's movies and stuff I'm already thinking about. Yeah. Um, but it does like ultimately four films theatrically, two exclusives to HBO Max. Um, That's really cool. Do you know, are we for sure that they're live action and part of the DCEU or whatever you want to call it at this point? Um, so this is all they all it says is uh, uh, Walter Hamada from DC Films. Starting in 2022, the company plans to release up to four theatrical films plus two HBO Max exclusive per film. That's it. That's literally okay. all it says. Um, either either so, way, I'm down. I was just thinking maybe some of the HBO Max exclusives were animated films is there, kind of there could, there where mind was, some, my mind was at. Yeah, there could be some animated ones in there. So, um, all right. Uh, Christopher Nolan loves the Fast and the Furious movies. <laughs> OK, um, cool. <laughs> I just, this is kind of a throwaway news story. I just thought it was interesting because I think the Fast and the Furious movies, like if you look at the box office dollars, people love these movies. OK, and as long and I know they're saying they're concluding the story with the with Fast and the Furious 10, I think, or 11 or whatever it is. But yeah, um, as far as as far as I'm concerned, some studio is going to go. We got to make more of these because as long as cars are cool, 
which cars are always going to be cool, they're going to be wanting to make Fast and Furious movies. Um, yeah. you, start, you start a whole new, you know, you, you go with new characters or whatever. It, that's a franchise that technically never has to die. <laughs> but what I thought was interesting is Christopher Nolan being the master filmmaker that he's kind of held up on that pedestal for. Um, it says a quote from him saying, I'm sort of an original recipe guy. I mean, the Rob Cohen original, but I really, but I've got a very soft spot for Tokyo Drift, actually. And then the skill is Justin Lin's iterations as they got crazier and bigger and crazier and bigger. They became something else, but something else kind of fun. Um, it makes me want to go rewatch Tokyo Drift um, because Nolan, apparently that's that's the one he likes the best. Um, I enjoyed Tokyo Drift, but I don't know if I paid attention to it on the level I paid attention to the others. So um, it makes me want to go. It makes me want to go check that movie out again <laughs> just hearing him talk about that um, yeah absolutely it's cool hearing um like christopher nolan's held to such high esteem and it's kind of cool to hear like what movies does he like to watch for fun and maybe you know maybe it's not what you expect maybe it's the fast and furious mo movies you know i love that sort of uh i don't know that peek behind the scenes or whatever you want to call it is yeah. super fun to hear um all right uh creed three is happening Okay, nice. Uh, Michael B. Jordan will be directing. Um, this is cool. I liked the first two Creeds. I'm down for a third. Um, it makes me wonder if, you know, we got like, what, eight Rockies? So are we going to get, you know, um, <laughs> I was like, oh, are we going to get a Creed franchise now? And it's going to roll like the Rocky ones did. So, um, yeah. I mean, um, why not? Yeah, right. Well, and Tessa Thompson will be returning, too. So if you you know liked her in that movie, she'll be back. Um, all right. And I got. Oh, did you see uh, Spider-Man's new costume? No, I didn't. OK, so this is an audio podcast, so it's really hard to describe this costume to people. <laughs> um, yeah. But I will say in the Marvel comic books. Um, Spider-Man is getting a new costume and it has my brain scratching a little bit because every now and then they need to give you new costumes for the characters and then the fans get upset about it and they got to go back to the classic looking costumes. But there's nothing wrong with doing a new costume every now and then. This is a uh, silver, yellow and blue costume. It looks like it honestly doesn't look bad. Um, I just don't know how I feel about it yet. So I mean, feel free to Google it. Um, <laughs> yeah, that's Peter, I'll, Peter right I'll now. send you, I'll send you a picture of it. Uh, I just don't know how to feel about it, but overall it doesn't look bad. Um, so, um, yeah. And then one more news story and we can move on to the list. I'm not trying to fly through news quickly. It's just, there, there really wasn't a lot. I just, I just pulled up that new Spider-Man costume. It looks cool. I don't know how I feel about it being like Spider-Man's main costume. It is cool looking though but uh yeah i don't know yeah. it gives me uh 90s blue superman vibes to be honest <laughs> yeah um yeah and i i agree with that statement so we'll we'll, <laughs> see, we'll see how the fans react uh we'll see how the internet eats it alive <laughs> um all right so last news story this i thought was more interesting as opposed to news okay this is clearly due to the COVID pandemic and the fact that sports had to shut down for a while and um, movies basically had to shut down because of the COVID pandemic. And what did we all do? We sat at home. And what did we do during that time? 
We played video games. The gaming industry currently is bigger than movies and sports combined. The 2020 video game revenue is expected to hit $179.7 billion globally. Uh, theoretically, more than what movies and sports are projected to make combined with the lower profits due to COVID pandemic. That, that is insane. That is nuts. So, you know, those game developers are like, thank God we have essential jobs. <laughs> <laughs> for real um i just thought that was really interesting to read and kind of caught my attention um all right um are you ready to talk the list yeah let's go for it cool man um all right everybody it is list time ryan you know what to do please roll the thing and now for the top five all right, man. So we're back. Uh, this was my pick for the night. Um, I decided to talk about games um, and tabletop gaming. Um, I'm so to kind of explain to the audience my thinking on this. This is really interesting. Um, for a little while, I worked for a while back. I used to work for GameStop. I was a store manager for them. Um, and I'd always have people come in and they, you know, what do you want? What should I buy? You know, PlayStation, Xbox, Nintendo. And I'd always ask, what games do you like to play? And if they told me that they're a gamer, they're like, well, I'm a hardcore gamer. And I'm like, okay, great. What games do you like to play? And they would say Call of Duty, Madden, and that's it. And my response to them was always, it doesn't matter what system you buy then because they're on everything. And in my head, I'm thinking to myself, if you only play Call of Duty and Madden football, you're not a gamer. To me, <laughs> to me, a true gamer is the one who, yes, you play Call of Duty and Madden, but you play Halo and you play Kingdom Hearts and you play Final Fantasy and you play uh, Katamari Damacy and you play Mario Brothers and you play Legend of Zelda and you play Among Us and then you go and play uh, Doodle Jump on your phone and then you sit down at the table and you play chess and Dungeons and Dragons and Warhammer and, you know, shoots and ladders and you break out the risk table. You play everything. If you consider yourself a gamer, you love playing no matter what the game is, not just Call of Duty and Madden. Um, and I don't want to sound stingy about that. I just feel that the word gamer encompasses so much more than just video games. Um, and I know that the world has kind of seen it the other way because of the gaming industry. So I wanted to sit down and talk about the tabletop games that I really, really like. Um, so, yeah, that that's, makes sense. I don't know if you wanted to, you know, if you wanted anything to add to that, but that's really what I was thinking when um, I decided to throw this list at you. Yeah, I think, um, yeah, especially if you wanted to like, like assessing that without like sounding uh, trying not to sound gatekeeper at all or anything. I think that uh, your main point is if you're a gamer, you love games and you're willing to try any game and you play a big variety and you don't just play like this one game and that's it. And then you call yourself a hardcore gamer, which I think is a fair explanation for sure. Um, you did, <laughs> you did mention Madden and uh, it did remind me of like kind of a funny memory I have from high school. <laughs> Because one of my friends used to, he wouldn't call himself a gamer, but he used to talk about how he would play Madden every day and he would talk about his team on Madden. And 
mind you, this is back like 2003, 2004 or something like that. So, you know, the kind of games that they don't even have at Goodwill, you know, the, the version of right. Madden, you can't even find that Goodwill anymore. But uh, he would talk about his team on Madden and it was so great all the time. And one day at the lunch table, he revealed to us that he actually never would actually play Madden. He would just simulate games on Madden. Watch them. <laughs> 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 We're like, really? You've been talking all this big game all year long about how your team is so great. I and mean, you're not even playing it. You're just so, watching so here's, it. <laughs> so to my point, here's a guy that probably counts himself as a gamer when he's not actually playing the game. <laughs> I don't think oh. he... Um, I don't think he would call himself a gamer like he's not that type of guy, but it was just the weirdest (laughs) revelation when he shared that with us. Um, Well, I know. Yeah, definitely. Really. I know people who claimed to be gamers who only played Madden. Yeah. And that's where I started to have this like thought process. Like you can't just play one game and consider yourself a gamer. You got to hit all the bases. Um, And, you know, that's, you know, sports are kind of separate. You know what I mean? Like, uh, I just I'm not saying sport games are separate, but when I say gamer, I'm not talking like going outside and throwing a ball around. I'm talking gaming. Um, So it just was my thought process. Um, Before we go into the new before we go into the actual list, I had one piece of news that I thought was really interesting. It pertains to the list. It's the only reason I held it back. Um, I I held it back specifically because of this, uh, because of the list we were doing. And it. It's also kind of inspiring in the sense of I'm a big proponent of wanting people to, you know, when we started this show, this was a very big thing for me. Like you and Peter, we made a thing and here we are. We're 120. (laughs) We're 126 episodes into this thing that we've committed to and we've done with. And in my opinion, we've made a success out of it. We've gotten to go do press at comic cons and stuff like that. Like it's some cool stuff. And in that inspiring sense, like we got to go do this thing and because we decided to make it and whether you're creating a podcast or writing a book or writing the screenplay for the next, you know, movie in Hollywood or whatever it is you're doing, um, force yourself to continue doing it and keep working on it because this stuff is a great thing. The news story that I'm getting at is this. The Queen's Gambit, which we've talked about we love, and it's about chess. Um, the Queen's Gambit was viewed by 62 million people, breaking Netflix's uh, streaming record. The producer, Alan Scott, was on BBC News talking about how it took him 30 years with nine rewrites and every studio he showed it to saying no one would be interested in chess. That is insane. Yes. So that being said, keep that in mind. It took him 30 years and nine rewrites to get the show done, but he stuck with it. He committed to it. Keep that in mind with whatever it is you're making. Keep going. Yeah. And that's awesome to hear. Sorry, just to I mean, I was just going to comment. It seems like Netflix is a really sort of a creator studio like their Netflix lets people do what they want. And because they do that, they turn out some really amazing stuff. Um, I'm not surprised to hear it took 
Queen's Gambit that much re- rewrites because it's a very, very well done, succinct. Um, I don't know if I want to say perfect, but pretty damn near close, uh, perfect series. So that is just awesome to hear. Um, but yeah, we the, can get into hearing the about list. the rewrites. Hearing about the rewrites is not an issue. Hearing about the studios turning them down over and over and over again—that's what I was like. Wait, what? So yeah. Um, it makes sense, and it's just really sad <laughs> that the world yeah. is that way. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, let's talk about some games. So, Peter, do you have any honorable mentions? Yeah, I have two. Um, before I start so getting I. into my list, I did want to say, like, kind of a, a quick overview thought is I'm not necessarily – I don't necessarily consider myself the hardest core of gamer. Um, I kind of enjoy tabletop games here and there, but I'm not, like – it's not like my life sort of thing. So some of my picks are a little bit more maybe basic in quotes than uh, people might be expecting. At the same time, I think I do have a good variety when it comes to being in between some good classics, some weird, obscure, nerdy stuff, and just some fun party games as well. Um, you, you also told me that you play a lot more party games than I do. Um, for me, party games have always been like, I enjoy them. I play with them with people. Um, but party games bore me really fast um, because, you know, you you play like three rounds of cards against humanity and you feel like you've seen all the cards. And <laughs> you know what yeah. I mean? So, yeah. Um, well, I, I've said it before on the podcast and I really feel this way. A really good game night with a group of friends or family is to play. You play one or two like really in-depth sort of strategy-based games or, you know, a couple games that are just really intense, in-depth, maybe more on the nerdy side. And then you finish that night off with like a party game when everybody's, you know, doesn't want to think and they're tired and they just want to play some like fun nonsense sort of thing. Um, But but yeah, um, so my first honorable mention, I guess we can actually get into the list. Um, So this one, it's. An honorable mention because I haven't actually played it yet. <laughs> I'm pulling an I'm pu- I'm pulling an Adam where I'm putting a game that I haven't played yet on the list. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> do this right now, going. God damn it. <laughs> um, no, it's this game that I got for. Okay, so I got this game for Christmas last year, and it's this game called Cartooner. And I wish I would have written down the uh, studio that makes it, but. It's a game about making comic strips, and it's sort of a combination between Pictionary and um, probably a bunch of different party games. But it's one of those things where you draw cards to see what your comic strip has to be about, and then you have to make the strip based on that. And everybody sort of competes, and it's like a multi-round thing. And uh, all the rounds together kind of have this weird way of mimicking somebody's career in comic books. But uh, here's the thing is it's a very um, I don't want to say in depth, but it's a game that you could definitely put an hour or two of your time into like it. it, You can spend a lot of time with this game and I haven't played it because it's hard to find people who want to play this game. But the other issue is, as I mentioned, I got it for Christmas last year and I had every intention of I'm going to host a gaming party and we're going to play this game and it's going to be awesome. But the problem was, uh, you know, the pandemic hit and everything was shut down and like everybody's social distancing. And I haven't really had that game night opportunity to play this yet. That being said, I know I'm going to love this when I actually get to play it. And uh, it's just a really cool concept. Uh, The same company that makes this has another one called uh, 
mangaka, which is like the Japanese name for a manga artist. So it's basically the exact same game, but it's based on sort of anime and manga tropes. And uh, the cartooner one is the one that I wanted because it's more, you know, comic book and American animation based tropes uh, sort of thing. But yeah, this one, I, it had to be an honorable mention, but it's just one I haven't gotten the chance to dig my teeth into. And I really regret that at this point. So yeah. Uh, how about you? Do you have any honorable mentions? Yeah, I got two. Uh, my first one is risk. Um, uh, I was kind of surprised that I put that on as an honorable mention, but risk, um, I've loved the game like every time I played it I have several different iterations like I have classic risk obviously but I have risk 2210 which is futuristic and you can have it adds the moon so you can if you take control areas on the moon you can do lunar uh, you can you can drop from orbit uh, into other territories and nuke territory it's it's a cool version I have the Game of Thrones version which is oh my god that's so good but not only do you need a lot of time to play that game, you need people committed to sit down and play that game because you're going to be there like all day slash night. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but the Game of Thrones version is really cool because you you choose a house as your faction that you're going to play and you actually get yeah. special characters. So like I'll have so if I choose House Lannister, I'll get Tyrion, Cersei, Jaime. Um, I don't know who uh, and Tywin, I think. And each of them have a special ability. So in my turn, I can like. You, I'll flip Tyrion over to activate a special ability, and then his special ability becomes active, and I get like these bonuses on the board and stuff. And um, when and Tyrion's now been used until it comes back to me, and everything flips back over. You know what I mean? Like, there's some really cool stuff they did with it. But if you know the show well enough, while you're playing the game, you're like, oh my god, I'm literally playing this show. Um, <laughs> it's kind of cool how it like plays out. Um, but yeah, Risk has always been a fun game. I've always just really enjoyed it. Um, it's a good game for people who like to think, but yeah. So I don't know. Yeah. It's, Risk, a, it's a good, it's been around between, forever and it's a classic. So yeah. Yeah. Risk is like a really good mix between, um, there is like this hardcore strategy aspect to it, but it's also like, I don't, I don't want to say it's casual enough, but maybe it's because it's one of those, like, you know, it's one of those old school mainstay games that everybody's familiar with. So it's pretty easy to get like a group of people at a party to just like, oh, yeah, I'll play Risk. I'm down. Um, I didn't know about the Game of Thrones version, but that actually sounds pretty cool. Um, it the Game, Game of the, Thrones obviously would translate so well into Risk. Game of Thrones has two boards, actually. It's got a board for Westeros and a board for Esos. And pending. So if you cool. have, so if you have like less than seven players you have to play with just Westeros. But if you have seven players, you play Westeros and Esos. So you actually have to cross the narrow sea. There's two continents. Like it's nuts. <laughs> That's great. Uh, is, um, is, can you play as the white walkers? Can that be your faction? Uh, no, you're just playing as the oh, house. Man. The, you're playing. <laughs> you're, right. You're playing as the standard houses. But what's really cool about it though, is if you've watched game of Thrones and when, when you see them discussing the battle maps, and like moving the troops around like, well, if we move these guys this way, it'll force them this way. And they have like the little pieces on the boards. So they have like the little wolf heads or the dragons or the lion heads or whatever. You know what I'm talking yep. about? Those are the pieces for the That's risk. awesome. You're right. Exactly. <laughs> it's really, really cool. Um, That's great. Right, man, what's your next honorable mention? Yeah, so my next honorable mention is a uh, it's a party game. So you're going to roll your eyes, but I actually kind of <laughs> want to tell like a quick backstory behind my experience with this game, um, because I actually mentioned last ep episode that I've kind of like a funny 
I don't know if I want to call it philosophy, but a funny uh, perspective on cards against humanity. And uh, I kind of wanted to get into that. My next pick isn't cards against humanity, oh, by okay. the way, but it <laughs> it does factor into this. So I started typing it down. So, but all right. <laughs> no, no, no. It's, it's not cards against humanity. Back in the day, I enjoyed the game apples to apples, like even going through college, like I went to friends' houses in college and played apples to apples with a group of people. And it was a fun time. It was funny. And then Cards Against Humanity came out. And it was one of those things where all the funny things from apples to apples just seemed way too innocent after playing Cards Against Humanity that I was just like, I can't even play apples to apples anymore. I love Cards Against Humanity way better because... I just, you know, everything in Apple's tables seems so dumb and this is just edgy and more funny and everything. And then this next game came out that I wanted to talk about, and that is Say Anything. And uh, that's my next pick. And Say Anything is a very it's I want to say it's family friendly because it's a game where you give prompts to a group of people and on little whiteboards, people write their responses. So it's it's built to be really clean, but usually it ends up devolving into a very sort of filthy minded, ridiculous party game. But say anything for me ruined Cards Against Humanity, because where Cards Against Humanity, all the answers you submit are pre thought out cards. They're not even the stuff you make up. It's just pre written cards and you go with that. Say anything. It's one of those games where. The only limit is your imagination and you can write whatever you want and submit that as an answer. And that is where I just think this game is super fun. This game is um, this. I mean, I, I was going to say a couple years old at this point, but it's more than that. I feel like a lot of people have played say anything a lot and kind of have already gotten sick of it. But I still love this game. I'm always down to play this game at a party and stuff. Um, but yeah, uh, that's pretty much all I wanted to say on it. I don't know if you have any thoughts on this one. I've played the game. It's fun. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I, I think it's just not your kind of game. So I didn't expect no, 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 no. <laughs> say anything. It's a fun game for like it's that's that thing with the party game. You play for a little while and it's like, OK, let's play something else or let's do something a little bit more engaging. Like party games for me don't challenge me intellectually enough in my opinion like i just i'm always like okay that was cool can we do something else now <laughs> um <laughs> so i don't know that's just that's that's how my it's just how my brain works like i don't i get kind of antsy when i sit there for too long like when you go to someone's house and like we're doing trivial pursuit it's like yes that's an intellectual game but it's also like we're playing teams oh great i'm gonna go over here <laughs> um <laughs> i'm gonna go do something else uh so yeah, I don't know. Like some games kind of like Trivial Pursuit kind of lands itself in a party game because of how people treat it. Um, and then uh, but yeah, party games, I don't know. Like and I have a feeling you're going to have a lot of party games on your list and I'm going to have completely different stuff. <laughs> no, no. Like so. like I like I said, I think I've got a really good mix of uh, party games, a couple classics, a couple obscure, like nerdy stuff. I think I've got a good, good mix. So, um, yeah, I like, <laughs> no worries. There. I do. I do every now and then I'll walk into a store and I will look at a game section looking for something weird to pick up, to bring home, to try and play with people. Um, and I do that quite often. Um, I'm like, Ooh, that looks like a weird fun game. Let's try that out and I'll just buy it. <laughs> yeah. Um, so like, for example, I haven't picked it up yet, but I am very curious cause there is a top gun board game. Um, okay. half, the, half the game is aerial combat strategy with miniatures. 
And the other half of the game is volleyball. And I'm <laughs> and it has me very curious to how that works. Uh, but why half why half of the game? I don't <laughs> know. One scene of the movie. <laughs> I don't know. It's two boards. There's, there's a board for the volleyball and there's a board for the aerial combat strategy stuff. Um, so I, I have no idea. It's um, just like it's so funny, like looking at the history and legacy of Top Gun. And there's just so much cool dog fighting stuff that goes on throughout the whole movie. But everybody focuses on the shirtless dudes playing volleyball all the time. Um, but, yeah, go on. I just I just think it's amusing. It's all good. Um, so my next my final honorable mention, let's get to the list, man. Jeez. Uh, <laughs> my honorable mention is uh, Fireball Island. Um, OK, nice. I loved this game when I was a kid. This is literally probably one of the coolest board games ever in existence. You were literally like trapped on an island. There's this crazy volcano spitting fireballs everywhere. You got to get the jewel and then be the first one off the island to win the game. Um, and you can screw your opponents. And it's it's a it's just a fun, fun game. Um, and the board's like all 3D and stuff. And you're literally it feels like you're in an Indiana Jones movie playing the game. Um, they recently did a remake of Fireball Island, which I had like, first off, I have the original one from the eighties in packaging still. And it's got, it's a complete game. Um, they recently redid the game and it is, um, they changed the board, they updated the rules. Um, and it's a completely different experience because you're not just trying to get that jewel. You're trying to do other stuff too. Um, and the board is a lot more open. So there's many more pathways and, um, you can change direction a lot. It's, it's it's just a fun, fun game. If you're looking for one of those nights, like let's play something out of the ordinary. You throw it on the table and you just have a good time with everybody. So, yeah, I don't know if you have anything to say about it. I know you remember it from when you were, we were kids, but um, yeah, that's pretty much it. I remember it from when we were kids. Um, I thought it was really cool back then. I just haven't played it in years. Um, it always had a really cool board and I loved the way that uh, there was all these like slides that the uh, marbles would like come out of the uh volcano or i guess they were supposed to be like fireballs but like it was kind of a really cool way they set up the board um i think i follow on twitter the company or the group of people who made the remake of the game and the new version just looks like it's just a gorgeous looking game board like it's super intricate and really uh even even cooler than the original so uh yeah definitely cool pick i just haven't i haven't played this in a long time. <laughs> uh, all right. Well, man, what's your first pick? Yeah. So I, I'll actually go with another game that uh, you just complained about a little bit, <laughs> but I had a trivial pursuit on my list and this is just <laughs> one where um, I, I don't really hate, like, I don't hate trivial pursuit. I just get bored quickly. Okay. I, I don't know I what just, it is. I don't know. Yeah. I, I really enjoy uh, trivia games. I don't know if I'm, that good at them but there's just this element of like it's like a weird test of like the encyclopedia in your head and just kind of this weird like how much do i know you know how can i actually like it's almost like i feel like i'm competing against the trivia cards as opposed to the players like i'm i kind of see it as like a cool like trivia test for myself um and it's kind of like there's a lot of different trivia games but this is just like trivial pursuit i feel like 
like is kind of the Mac daddy of them all in a lot of ways. Um, if you play like Drew, our families played true. Like they play a lot of Trivial Pursuit, especially at family parties and stuff. That might and when you get got, that might be why I got bored. <laughs> but go ahead. Well, if if you get into some of these like older versions of the game, like I'll play against like my dad or like like some of my uncles and stuff, and it's just like. I don't know any of like the politicians or pop culture personalities or like anything from any question. And it can kind of be very stale if you're really out of the know. But if you get like a newer version of Trivial Pursuit, I think it's a really good time. Um, I think my personal favorite version is pop the pop culture version, because I just think I'm just kind of naturally like really good at that one (laughs) because I pay attention to a lot of like random pop culture BS, like even stuff that I shouldn't know, (laughs) like popular boy bands from the early two thousands or like, you know, ridiculous questions about stuff like that. Um, But no, I just think this, this is a game that's kind of from playing it so much at family parties and stuff. It's just kind of one of those things that I've enjoyed a lot. I'm always down to play trivial pursuit. So yeah, so that's about, is, that's about all. Is, so I, I actually, so I own the star Wars trivial pursuit, um, but it's the classic trilogy only. It's the original three movies. I wish, I hope at some point, and I know it's going to get crazy with all the star Wars shows coming. I want them to make a, Star Wars Saga Edition Trivial Pursuit. I think that'd be awesome. Um, but uh, as far as Trivial Pursuit goes, um, I like being, I like doing other things. And in the other room, everyone's playing Trivial Pursuit and it's like guys versus girls. And you walk in the room, room to get to like a drink or you get like a carrot from the fruit, fruit tray or something like that. And someone, and they're arguing over a question and they're like, hey, Drew, do you know? And you turn around and you answer the question like you guys don't know that. And then... <laughs> 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 um that's that's one of the things i love like one of the there was one that i walked in i walked in on the game of trivia pursuit they were doing guys versus girls they're like hey drew's a guy hey who wrote brief history of time and i'm like stephen hawking like i said it like why don't you guys know that and i walked out of the room and they're all like how do you know that, like, <laughs> that i like yeah that kind of, i like that kind of dynamite dropping um the other thing about trivia pursuit is and i've gotten i've gotten into arguments about people with people about this is there was one day I was at a party and someone broke up with Trivial Pursuit. And I said, as they were setting up the board, I go, what is the copyright on the game? And they're like, why does that matter? And I go, because there's a question in there that might have a completely different answer now because information changes um, and events change. And it might, there actually might be a different answer to a question. And every now and then you run into something like that where you will give an answer and there'll be that one stingy person in the group going, well, that's not right. That's not what it says in the card. But that's not what's actually happening now. You know what I mean? Like what? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Um, But I I would argue that you have to play to the version of the game. So if you know that it's the 1978 version of Trivial Pursuit, you have to get the 1978 answer. And that is exactly why I ask what the copyright of the game is. So that's a good call. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Um, So my next pick um, is Heroclix. Um, oh, right. This, okay, nice. This is um, the best way I can describe this game is that it's a it's a miniature strategy combat game. Kind of think about it like chess and risk slammed together, but it is with comic book characters. Um, so all the pieces are Spider-Man, Batman, Superman, Wonder Woman, the Punisher, uh, Static Shock, you know, just throw out characters names. It's probably a miniature for it. Um, 
And it's really just bringing your superhero fantasy comic book battles to life. So if you ever wanted Batman and Superman to fight, you can do so in the game. Like, it's just a fun time if you're into that kind of stuff. Um, I was a big fan of Heroclix. I played a ton of it. I built a 3D board for myself because I was like, has to have this big, crazy 3D city on my dining room table. Um, you have an awesome 3D board of it. I know. And that, <laughs> it, it took a, that took a long time putting that together, but um, it's amazing. Uh, so it's just a really, really fun game overall. I don't have a lot to say of it other than because it's a hard game to get into if you weren't already in it. If that makes sense. Um, yeah. So um, but just just so, just just so the, oh, sorry. I was going to say just so the li- listeners know, because I feel like it's worth sh- sharing. Uh, Drew made like this ridiculous, like huge uh, 3D board uh, board for hero clicks. That's basically Gotham City with different buildings from the comics and like all the different movies are featured. And it's just a really, really cool uh, thing and uh, like I've played Hero Clicks a little bit with you guys, and honestly, playing on that giant 3D board has always been the most fun. Just that sort of it's a different level of immersion that gets you into the game a lot more. So sorry, I just I just thought that was worth mentioning, just because you did such a good job <laughs> putting that together. To be honest, it, I think I, it took me six months total to put the whole thing together. Um, yeah. It's it and it actually only and I'm not going to lie because you get um, because you can get foam board at the dollar store. The map only cost me about seventy dollars total, like paint supplies, everything that I had to purchase. <laughs> so um, I definitely got my money's worth out of it. That's great. Uh, yeah. So um, what uh, what's your next pick for the night? Okay, yeah. So my next pick is probably my most obscure one besides maybe uh, the cartooner game that I mentioned earlier. But uh, it's this game called Channel A. And it's uh, this game that's published by a uh, company called I think it's Mad Hat or Mad Cat. I can't remember. Have you ever heard of this, Drew? Do you have any idea what this is? Uh, No. Okay, so this this is my only other party game on my list. And this is a game that where you create anime plots. <laughs> so one of my friends bought this game and I think he got it at an anime convention or something like the company that makes this game sells a booth. But it's this game where you draw cards and they give you so they give you like title elements. So it'll be Sorry, like words. Right, that what's, would, the name, what's the name of it again? It's called Channel A, and the A is for, like, anime. But basically what you do is you draw cards, and you combine cards to make the title of the show you're you're making as well as sort of... uh, uh, like sort of your plot details as well as like what kind of anime it is and stuff. And it's just kind of one of those things where you go around the group and you tell them this ridiculous anime that you just made up off the top of your head and you're trying to get convince people to, you know, vote for your show, like say they want to watch it. And I love this game because it's absolute. It's absolutely ridiculous. It's really funny. It's super nerdy. And I just love that aspect of it. Uh, my friend who owns this game doesn't like to play it with like our friend group, though, <laughs> which I think is really funny. And the reason he doesn't, which he has good reasons, because one problem is everybody likes to go pornographic with their plots like right Uh-oh. away. <laughs> 
<laughs> like right away, just mind in the gutter. And they go to the ridiculous, like uh, porny sort of direction with everything. And the other aspect is uh, most people don't know enough about like anime and anime subgenres and stuff to like come up with good stuff. And he actually liked playing the game with me because there's certain things like if I draw a card and it says like, this is a, you know, and I play it, I'm like, this is a harem anime. Like I actually know what a harem anime is where a lot of people just don't know some of these things. And he was getting really frustrated because nobody was making up shows that sounded like they would actually be animes, <laughs> which I also, which I think is another like just super nerdy gripe, but I can really appreciate that as well. But this is a game that I had so much fun with that. I really want to purchase my own copy of, cause it's just like, I had a great time playing it. My one friend who owns it doesn't like to play with us. So I'm going to have to uh, hunt it down on my own, but yeah, it's, it's definitely a really fun party game if you're into anime and if you're not, it's uh, it's still pretty fun. You know, just imagine you're making up comic books or movies or something like that. It can still be a really good time. So, yeah. Um, all right. Very cool. Uh, so that was it on that because I've never heard yeah. of it. So that's all on you to tell us about it. Um, <laughs> yeah. Um, so my next one is the Betrayal series. Do you know what I'm talking about? Yes. We actually matched for this one. I, I chose... <laughs> I chose Betrayal at the House on Haunted Hill, but yes, we matched on this. Um, so, yeah, so the Betrayal series, the Betrayal at the House on Haunted Hill or is it the Betrayal and House on the Hill? I don't I don't remember. Um, that's I, the, I don't remember word for word. Either. That's that's the <laughs> original. Um, um, I got to write Betrayal series on your thing now. That's uh, actually the only the only version of this game I've played. Oh, is, uh, OK. So House I, on the played, Hill, but. I played House on the Hill, which is awesome. Um, the uh, um, the game is essentially you're in a haunted house and you're playing cooperatively and you're exploring the haunted house. And I'm going to go check out the library. I'm going to go check out over this room over here. And you're getting um, and you're getting basically uh, to a point where someone in the group betrays the group. Like they, they become possessed by a ghost or like a demon takes over their body or they suddenly become a serial killer and turn on the group and it becomes that person against the group. Um, mm -hmm. And it comes down to and the betrayal is always random. So you never know who's going to do it. And there's what, 30 some scenarios for the game. Um, so you mm -hmm. can play it multiple times and it's always going to be different. The board's going to lay out different. The haunted house is going to always be different because it's a tile laying game. So when you move from one room to the next, the room is going to be different because you're basically laying a tile down. Um, do you want to, I don't know if you have anything else you wanted to add to that, but. So, yeah. And then I would just add the, uh, so there's a cast of characters you play. And I actually always really appreciated that you get your character card and it has a really sort of succinct uh, description of like your personality and what you can do. And it's like, they're all like kind of really fun plays on sort of like horror character, you know, protagonist tropes and stuff that you've seen in movies, but it's just really like the game's really good. And uh, what I, what I love about, uh, like I said, I've only played a house on haunted Hill or whatever, whatever the actual wording is. I've only played that version, but I've played it a couple different times and it's just, uh, 
I, I think because I like just horror, like the horror aesthetic and everything so much, I think I'd probably like that version the most anyways. But the thing is, when you play the game, you actually feel like you're going through this unknown, like haunted house that you don't know what's going on and you're exploring it. And the way they, like you said, the game, the board lays out differently every time. So it kind of has this element of surprise and it really has this cool immersion where you actually feel like you're doing what the characters are doing in the game. And I feel like a lot of really in depth sort of nerdy tabletop games find kind of fall short in that regard where, yeah, they have really cool artwork and they're about really cool, like fantasy elements and stuff, but actually feeling like, that level of immersion, like you're actually exploring this house or dungeon or whatever. I think this game does such a good job at that. And that's really why I love it. Um, yeah. I don't know if you had more to say or yeah, so, what else you want to say on this it's, one. There's a lot of descriptions on it. Um, there's a couple different versions there's of the house on the hill. There's an expansion of that. Um, the, uh, the version I picked up, uh, cause I don't own the house on the hill, but the version I picked up was the dungeons and dragons version. Um, and it's called the trail at Baldur's gate. So instead of a haunted house, you're actually, ex- you start in the tavern, uh, like any classic, of course. I'm role playing <laughs> would start in a tavern. Everyone, when you choose your character, you are like, you're like a drow rogue or a dwarf, whatever, or, you know, a mad, or, uh, you know, half work wizard or what you actually get to choose your characters, but it's very basic choosing. Um, mm-hmm. but then you're exploring the city of Baldur's gate. Um, yeah. So- thing is a little bit more D&D themed. Um, it's it's really cool. But even if you're not like into like the horror elements like a haunted house, what I like about the D&D thing is essentially it's fantasy. So even if you're not a Dungeons and Dragons fan, it's just swords and sorcery and like just exploring a city with a group of people and um, running into these crazy things that happen. Um, so that's the version I have. I just love the series. It's a great game that gets the replayability is just awesome. Um, so, yeah. yeah. Absolutely. Didn't you say I feel like we had a news story on the show a long time ago, but I thought you said they were doing a Scooby Doo version of this game as well. There is. It's called Betrayal at Mystery Mansion. (laughs) And the cool thing is, like, I feel like Scooby Doo, like the idea of a Scooby Doo episode translating into this game, like works so well. Like you have your cast of characters already you have that sort of uh, haunted, ha- haunted house aesthetic going on. It just would work so well in this game. So that'd be a really funny version to try sometime, I think. <clears throat> yeah. Um, so uh, I guess that rolled back to me, huh? <clears throat> yeah. Um, okay. So my next one that I'm going to go with, uh, this is tough because these final three games. Okay. The next one I'm going to go with um I really wanted to put this higher on the list, but that's okay. Um, we'll go with it. Um, it's Dungeons and Dragons. Um, and I, oh, actually nice. wondered, I wondered if we were going to match on this one, to be honest. Yeah, we actually did match on this one as well. <laughs> um, so Dungeons and Dragons, honestly, this is... Um, this is... It's really interesting to like, so people, I feel like they always have like this like misconstrued idea of what D&D is. Um, They think it's a bunch of like really nerdy people in costumes, like talking in weird voices. Sometimes you talk in weird voices, but um, ultimately it's a bunch of adults sitting around in their pajamas, eating snacks, drinking alcohol and yelling at a piece of plastic that didn't roll right when you sent it across the table. Um, 
But Dungeons and Dragons essentially is storytelling that's done socially. You have a um, you have someone who's telling a story, and you're playing. Um, and you're playing a character in the adventure and you're making decisions and you're going along on an adventure with friends and it's social storytelling and social problem solving. Um, and then when you get into the actual story part of it, the limits of this game literally is your imagination. Um, and it's, and, and I've had players like throw me weird curveballs, And part of me is like, this could derail us for a little bit, but I'm kind of curious to see where this goes. So I'll allow it. You know what I mean? Um, <laughs> yeah. There's the game really is absolutely amazing when you sit down and really like and you like, look, the game is meant to be fun. There's going to be a lot of laughing and stuff like that. But ultimately, the game's it's a, a, there's a level of seriousness to it, too. So do you want to talk about it as well? Yeah, um, well, I was just talking about the betrayal uh series uh, or i mean you brought it up but i was commenting on the level of immersion that that series has and i think dnd has that so much as well where you're playing as this character who you create and then you're going you know your dungeon master is leading you through all these different scenarios and stories and it's just like it's a really fun game as far as the role-playing goes but then you can get into uh different uh you know you get into different battles and stuff and uh I've only played fourth edition, which I know leans a little bit more on the sort of tactical sort of like tabletop strategy aspect. I know some other versions are a little bit more like uh, like I know first edition is all like through sort of spoken word storytelling. But fourth edition has that sort of um, that sort of like lay out the grid and put your characters where they are on the board and move like the actual physical miniatures around. And I thought that was just. When I play, when I was playing that game, it was such a cool combination of storytelling as well as the, you know, your sort of chess game, your strategy, like lay your pieces on a grid and uh, use all your moves and try to defeat all the enemies. And uh, when I started playing D and D, I just kind of fell in love with it because I've played. Like I said, I'm not the biggest gamer, but I have a lot of gamer friends, and I've played a lot of tabletop games. But I think this game just had this level of immersion immersion and imagination to it that i don't think i've played anything that's really matched it um and it's just like it's such a good it's such a great time um, um i don't know if i want to say too much other than that but yeah i've we've we make on occasion we make D jokes and we've talked about it here and there and i've talked about how i'm doing that uh class at the park district for the game and i actually have a really good group of players uh at the park district class that i do um, which mm -hmm. it's, it's awesome. I got a really good group of kids that I play with and, um, even, even though they're kids and I'm an adult playing with them, it's just a lot of fun. Um, and then I have a adult group, which has not met as many times as I would like recently, but that's cause of COVID we tried doing virtually and like half the group really liked it. Half the group didn't. And then, uh, over the summer we tried to meet, but, um, D and D is an ongoing game. Like you can sit down and play like for a couple hours. Yeah. But it's ongoing because, the story can continue. You can sit down and play like one session and that's it for the story, but it can continue going. Um, Absolutely. So, yeah, I don't know. We'll, I guarantee we'll be talking more D and D, but the it's, I've never like you said, I've also never played a game that really matches that balance of 
standard tabletop gaming with dices and miniatures and trying to think strategically at the same time as playing a character and being someone else and like getting to take being immersed in a game where all your other problems in the world go away because you're focused on this for a couple hours. Um, Absolutely. It's, it's a, it's as opposed to any other game I've ever played. D and D is a real escape Mm -hmm. uh, from the standard day to day life that you have. So, um, yeah. Yeah. All right. There you go. Um, And if for any parents listening, um, it's, educational too because there's lots of reading and math um <laughs> absolutely to make your kids and, play, and, and puzzles make your kids and play, make your kids play and, uh, D&D. um so yeah that's we matched on that so that throws it right back to me so unless yep. we matched on my second my my this pick um so my next one is chess <laughs> we matched on this one as well <laughs> wow that's funny so it leaves Once me hit, for, it leaves me for the getting, final one yeah, once we were getting to uh, Betrayal, I was like, I wonder if uh, Drew and I matched on my next three. But yeah, go ahead, Chess. <laughs> so, uh, so yeah, Chess. I've I've been a fan of Chess for a very, very long time. And yeah, we blew up Queen's Gambit a little bit um, because the show is just absolutely amazing. And it really like represents the game the way it should be represented. Um, but at the same time, Chess is such a fantastic game in the sense that you're not like, first off, it's about outsmarting your opponent and like being the smartest person at the table ultimately. But the big thing about the game of chess is that chess is considered. It's the, it's the one board game that's out there that is actually considered a sport. It is treated like a sport in terms of competition and tournaments and um, the level of uh, the way the chess federation focuses on uh, the broad scope of the game. But the thing about chess that makes it, such a wonderful game to play is there's no cards. There's no dice. Each player gets 16 pieces in front of them. You're essentially battling the other person for control of the board. And each piece that you have in front of you has a very finite amount of moves. Each piece moves specifically in certain ways. And when you match it to your opponents, they have the exact same pieces in front of them. So everything is incredibly finite. So this is a game where it doesn't matter how smart you are. It doesn't. Well, it kind of matters how smart you are, but it doesn't. You, you don't have to be super intelligent to play. Learning is the easy part. You don't have to be super fit or trim to play. There's no age requirement to play. This is a game where everything is balanced 100 percent between the two players. And it comes down to player versus player and trying to outthink the other person as you move the pieces around the board. And like I said, learning is easy. It's not a game that's easy to master where when you watch Queen's Gambit and you see her moving, she knows that if she moves this piece, he's going to move that piece or that piece or that piece. She knows the moves ahead of time. So when you're watching the show, she can see it. She can see 12 moves deep. She can, might actually be able to see the outcome of the game before the first piece is even moved. That's a, that's a master player. But most people doesn't, don't necessarily have to play that way. If this is a game where, like I said, this is a game where you are on an equal footing with your opponent when you sit down at the board. Um, yeah, I don't know if you want to add to that or have anything else to say to it. I kind of went off there a little bit. <laughs> um well, it's it's kind of hard because you did cover a lot of stuff, but it is a game that's uh, 
you're kind of getting at this, but it's just, it is like such an accessible game where you, um, like it's, it's a game that is easy for people to pick up and play. And like you say, you said you can play it pretty casually or you can play it where you're planning five, six, 10 moves ahead of time. Uh, you can, there's so much strategy that can go into it, but it also is like at the same time, something really accessible, something really simple. Um, and it's just really cool that way. I love that this game is, uh, it's also very timeless. Um, I love that it, it's kind of funny, but I feel like if you have a chessboard out, whether it's like mid game or if it's just set up, it's like a classy, it's almost like a classy piece of decor that can be in your house <laughs> where if you have like, you know, the game of Thrones, uh, risk board <laughs> all the time, people might be like, what the heck's going on here? But like, chess <laughs> just like looks cool. Like when it's sitting up, you know what I mean? Um, but like, I, all I can say is like, when I was a kid, I wanted to play chess because it had cool pieces. Like I wanted to know what's up with this horse looking piece and this piece that looks like a castle. Like this game looks cool. And it's kind of like I came for the cool pieces and I stayed for the strategy of it. And uh, I don't play chess a lot. I've never been on the sort of obsessive level where I'm like constantly thinking of different strategies for it or anything. But it's still like one of my favorite games and I do really enjoy it when I do get to play. Um, so yeah. Yeah. Um, I agree with everything you just said. <laughs> um, yeah. And I feel like, uh, I don't know what all to say about chess in terms of that. Um, just uh, what else to add to it. Um, yeah. the, uh, I feel like my final pick for the night is kind of like now I feel like we should have ended on chess because of how classic of a game that it <laughs> I um, was going to I was actually going to save D&D for last. I'm really curious what your next game is, though. At this uh, point. And and when I say it, you're going to go, oh, yeah, um, but you're going to understand why, because you grew up. We grew up in the same house. Um, but the final game I have is the Star Wars customizable. Oh, of course. Okay. Or, <laughs> or uh, the SWCCG, as the people who played it referred to it as. Um, this is a game. I want to say it's very much like chess because of how the competition was. Um, it's a game where it, it, was, it was essentially a card game. It was a deck building game, but it was all focused on Star Wars. But it played it wasn't a card game that played like a card game. It was a card game that played like a board game where you actually had the planets laid out and the characters would actually like go to the planets and move around and battle. And um, you'd actually I don't want to say you play out sections of the movies because you could end up playing out a section of the movie, but there could be curveballs thrown because other characters would be there or the battles would play out differently. Wins, losses. Um, and, but the strategy was incredibly deep where it was a, it was a game that you learn and you'd go, Oh, that's cool. I want to play again. And then you realized how deep the game got. Um, one of the reasons why this has become such a amazing game in my life is because not only did I get like super sucked in, but then I got super competitive with it where I would go and play tournaments and I would travel to play tournaments. Like I would drive down to like central Illinois to play like state tournaments and worlds and stuff like that. And then I actually like became a rep for the company and like started like, like hosting tournaments and uh, traveling around and demoing the game and stuff like that, trying to get people into it. So I was like very, I was more heavily involved in the, this card game than basically any other game that I've ever played. Um, and I just spent, I spent a ton of money on the game too, because expansion after expansion after expansion would come out. 
I will say this over the years. Um, I think it's like over 3000 some odd cards. I have a full complete collection. Um, and that is hard to achieve, but I actually was able to finish out a complete collection before they stopped making the game. Um, and then, uh, the P the players, uh, the game when they, they actually had to stop making it because, uh, of Lucasfilm licensing and stuff, something like something that happened with the licensing agreements, but they've, um, but the players, because the mechanics of the game were owned by the company, the company, because they couldn't make the game anymore, turned it over to the players and the players have continued it online and found a way to release new cards. And I've kept up with it. I haven't played in years, but I've kept up with it. So if I had to, I could jump right in and I wouldn't be behind. And um, But it's it, it's definitely one of those like close loves in my life because of the involvement that I had with it. Um, so yeah, I don't. You sat around and watched me do this for hours all the time, Peter. So I don't know if you have anything to add to that. But. <laughs> um, I don't know if I've ever played a game of this proper. Like I might have once or twice uh, with you or um, like one of our other brothers. But I I remember back in the day I uh, dabbled a little bit in the Young Justice collectible or not Young Justice, <laughs> Young Jedi collectible card yeah, yeah, game yeah. just because I was like the right age at the time to play that one. Um, and I remember you and uh, your friends playing like just massive games of uh, the Star Wars CCG all the time like you guys had. And I don't know if it's sort of like altered rules or to do this or whatever, but you would have like four people playing at the same time. I think it was like two person teams and you would be covering like the entire dining room table, like two people on each side playing each other. And I remember seeing it and just being like, wow, that looks so epic. <laughs> but as far as like the gameplay itself and stuff, I don't know that I have too much to say about it, but it actually like makes a ton of sense. Like why this is your last pick. Um, yeah. So yeah, um, I don't know the, too much the games to say the, the, when we did games like that, it was never, um, um, we never we did the two player games out of, you know, for fun sometimes just because we thought they were kind of cool to do. But ultimately it became uh, um, the uh, it was when you saw stuff like that, a lot of times it was like two separate games going on. <laughs> oh, really? Um, yeah. A lot of times when you saw that, it was like two different games going on and you had four people just sitting like you had like I was sitting across from one person and next to me was another game going on. So it <laughs> probably looked bigger than it did. But um, but yeah, I, I, I really enjoyed sometimes when they like ended up like that. So um, so I do have a question for you, since this sure. is a game that's been uh, out of print for a while now. Uh, how often do you get to play? Have you played in a while or has it been? Um, a long time. <laughs> it, so what happened was uh, the game ended, the Lucasfilm licensing, whatever, the game ended. And um, the uh, what was really kind of interesting about it is so the game ends, they turn the game over to the players so they could make these like virtual cards. So it's basically like they, they like you would download the PDF, print it out, and then you could because you always play with like these card protectors over the cards, like these like plastic mm -hmm. sleeves. Um, so you'd slide these cover these things into the card. So it would cover up the game text and create new game text. So like you could have like new versions of cards and stuff like that. Um, and, uh, so when the game ended in early 2000s, I want to say 2002, I think is when the game ended, we all kind of stopped playing for a little while. And then I ran into some old friends 
uh, from my gaming days with that kind of game. And we started playing again really heavily and we couldn't really like host the same kind of tournaments. But like one of my friends would host tournaments at his house like every single weekend. It was like every weekend <laughs> nice. we go to his house and we just run a tournament uh, just amongst us because why not? And he would always like, hey, I ran into this person. We were able to contact this person. So all these people started coming out of the woodwork. And we played like that for a while, and then we slowly stopped. So it's been, I don't know, it's probably been about four years since I've last played. Um, but what was really cool is the last C2E2, when I was out there doing press by myself, because you couldn't go, I ran into a couple of the guys um, that I hadn't played with in a really long time. I got to catch up with them. It was awesome. Um, so, yeah. That's what you, uh, you guys need to start hosting tournaments or events at conventions for it or something. Well, if you go, if you go to the Star Wars customizable card game website, which is WCCGPC.com, I believe, um, the, um, you can actually like download the software to play online, uh, which is really cool because you don't need to own any of the cards. Everything's online for you to play. You can actually build your decks and all that stuff. You, ever you have access to everything which is awesome um i have not done it that way i think it'd be weird because i'm a very fidgety card player so i like to be able to fidget with the cards in my hands and while i think and i it'd be i think it'd be weird for me to do it that way but right um but yeah so that's my final pick of the night so nice um and we went way longer than i thought we were going to tonight but hey that's all right <laughs> it's, it's always a good conversation and we always go along and um I don't, I've never had a complaint from our listeners. So, um, <laughs> so yeah, do you have anything to add before we close out tonight? Cause it looks like we got another episode in the can. No. Yeah. This was a, this was a cool list. Um, um, yeah, man. Well, what are we doing next week? Yeah. You're- so, um, yeah, so it's my, my pick next week. Um, so we recently talked about our top five most anticipated movies for this next year, but I thought it'd be cool to do a list of, your top five most anticipated movies of all time. So basically the movies that you've seen that you were the most excited to see. So, okay, so like, I thought, so a, a good example of that, because it is currently arguably still the most anticipated film of all time in the history of film was star Wars episode one. Absolutely. Whether you liked it or disliked it because of how that was marketed and the hype behind it and all that stuff going into that theater, that was the most anticipated film of all time. There was even a movie about it. Yeah. Um, so that's what you mean. Yep. And, and episode one is actually a perfect example. Um, and okay. like, I mean, I guess you could put like Black Widow on your list and stuff, but I kind of wanted to focus more on movies that you anticipated, you've seen, and then you have that sort of full spectrum of like, oh, man, I was waiting to see this movie so much. I was reading every news report I could find about it, and then I saw it, and this is what I I thought of it. I think it's just kind of a cool sort of uh, cool sort of way to look at movies and, you know, did the movie live up to the hype and uh you know, what did you think of the whole hype train leading up to it? I just think it's a really fun topic. Um, so, yeah, I, I don't know if you have any other questions or thoughts on this one, but uh, no, that's perfect. Um, yeah, that's act- that's uh, that's a perfect. I think that's a really coolest idea. So, like, what are we most what, what movies were we most ex- <laughs> regardless of what we liked or disliked what we were most excited about? OK, <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> um, all right. 
yeah, let me take a look at what movies I've seen that I've been most excited to see because a lot of times it comes down to I ended up buying them too. So I gotta yep. go look at my I gotta go look at my rack. Um, and this okay. this is one where I know two off the off of the top of my head, and then yeah, I'm not sure what else I'm gonna pull out, but yeah. <laughs> um, cool. All right. Well, do us all a favor, everyone. Check out our website, Top Five Report at. Uh, top5report.com. There you'll find links to all of our social media, Twitter and Facebook, along with the link to our email, top5report at gmail.com. You can hit us up there at the email or uh, hit us up on our social media. Either way works. Um, we are on Google Play, iHeartRadio, Stitcher, and Apple Podcasts. You can subscribe to us there. And if you do, you will not miss a single episode. Um, you can also... Uh, Leave us a review, and we love those five stars, but we also understand criticism because it helps us get better, and it makes the words we say feel important. Um, you can follow me personally on Twitter and Instagram at Drew3927. Peter? Yeah, you can follow me on Twitter at Ninja Pierre, and that's where I will be spreading the truth that it was Uncle Pennybags in Molasses Swamp with a magic missile. <laughs> All right. Um <laughs> Yeah, you know, those magic missiles are kind of overpowered. But hey. um, all right. Well, in that case, uh, thank you for everyone for listening for the Top 5 Report. I'm Drew. I'm Peter. And we'll see you next week. Thanks, everybody. Have a good night.